The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the twelve, Fear no one. Nothing is concealed that will not be revealed, nor secret that will not be known. What I say to you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops, and do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Are not two sparrows sold for a small coin? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your Father's knowledge. Even all the heirs on your head are counted, so do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Heavenly Father. But whoever denies me before others, I will deny before my Heavenly Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. It's a good reminder that you're worth more than many sparrows. Okay, whatever that price is today in inflation, right? Uh, I've not seen sparrows sold more recently at Walmart, but um, I don't know. Maybe you know the price of them. Uh, but clearly, you know, clearly we get the get the get the point, right? Sparrows aren't. Worth too much, and we're worth much more. Um, and who uh, gives us that worth? Well, do, do we give ourselves that worth? Sorry. No, we don't, right? We, we, can't, we can't give worth to ourselves, even though that we try often. But instead, uh, kind of like a dollar bill, where the dollar bill... Uh, The worth isn't in the actual cloth that it's made out of. It's not made out of paper, the cloth. It's made and it's worth because the government says that it's worth a dollar, right? And in the same exact way, God gives us that worth. Says you are worth many sparrows, however much that is, right? Many more, much more than many sparrows. Now, our relationship with our Heavenly Father and how we accept that worth or don't accept that worth actually has a huge effect or a a huge influence in that relationship with our Heavenly Father is our earthly father. And today, as as a, I don't know whether it's worldwide, but certainly in this nation and kind of in the Western world, we, uh, we celebrate Father's Day today. And our earthly fathers, we all have earthly fathers. We all have a biological father. They haven't figured out how to produce humans without a biological father, at least in, in some uh, sense of it. Um, and so we all have a biological father. Or we all have an earthly father. But I want to give a certain amount of caveat to say that not all of the, our relationships with our fathers are great, right? Um, some of you had amazing fathers that you can look at. And some of you, maybe not. But I hope that you've all had a father-like figure in your life that has been something good, right? Whether it is your biological father or whether it's someone who acted as a father to you, uh, a mentor of sorts. 
And it's amazing at how much that relationship affects our Heavenly Father. Because that relationship is so similar in so many different ways. And if we have a good uh, earthly father, it put a lot of weight on earthly fathers as well, right? Because how you interact with your children affect their relationship with the Heavenly Father. How they understand God is affected. Now, it's not completely, it's not all on you, right? The grace of God is there. But unfortunately, a huge amount is connected there. And I'd like to hopefully, what we can do is forget the bad of our earthly fathers, because guess what? Our earthly fathers are human, and so they are prone to sin, and they, are, they do fail because they're not perfect. But our Heavenly Father is perfect. Our Heavenly Father doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't forget about us. He doesn't uh, let us down. He doesn't, uh, you know, misappropriate or, or discipline us in the wrong way. He's always perfect. And so what I'd like to do is at least look at a few of the good aspects of fatherhood that I hope that you've experienced and to be able to point that to our Heavenly Father. One of the things that I think is uh, uh, amazing as we kind of look back as children is that, of course, we take a lot of things for granted, right? And we still do take lots of things for granted. But it's funny as a kid that you think that you're doing your father a favor by going out fishing with him, right? You're like, oh man, my dad just enjoys it so much more because I'm out here with him. Uh, when in reality, uh, he could probably fish much better without you, right? He could probably not spend as much time fixing hooks and broken lines and trying to teach you how to cast and getting stuck in the trees and everything. And all those things are preventing him from fishing, but yet he still does take joy in it, right? He still does enjoy it, but it doesn't necessarily help his fishing experience. But we think that it does, right, as children. Um, and I think this is an important aspect for us to realize about our earthly father. And hopefully we realize it as we grew up, you know, the sacrificial love of a father. How a father lays down his life for his children, not because he needs them, but because he wants them. Right? He wants to lay down his life in love for his children. Right? And we see this within, um, within, within one of the examples is fishing, but we see it in so many different ways, right? A father who works... Uh, and, you know, he could just not have any children and keep that money for himself, right? I mean, that's much easier. But yet, instead, he has kids and then pours out his money, right? All the money that he makes goes to his kids, you know, having to take care of them and everything else. Well, that's, you know, from just a, a zero sum, it doesn't exactly make sense, right? Where does it make sense? It makes sense in love, right? It makes sense in love. Um, we see this with our Heavenly Father as well. That our Heavenly Father is a part of a Trinity, right? We celebrated Trinity Sunday, and in fact, this church is Holy Trinity, uh, which is pretty awesome. It's really confusing, right? The Trinity is, is three persons in one being, one God. Now, it's super confusing because we don't experience that, but yet that's revealed to us, that God is three persons in one, which means that God, God 
is a community already, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that he is perfectly content by himself because he is a community of love. Already a perfect community of love, pouring himself out in the Son, and the Son is pouring himself back to the Father, and the Holy Spirit is there in love, right? And so perfectly content. But yet in love and generosity, wants to pour out their life, the whole Trinity, and especially the Father, wants and creates us, not because it's better for him, but because he loves us. And so everything is created for us. And then he continues to keep us in existence and continues to to be with us because he loves us, not because he needs us, even though as children we often think that's the case, right? Think, well, of course, you know, my dad needs me. You know, otherwise, what would he do, right? Well, you know, he might find other things to do, right? Um, And our Heavenly Father as well. To understand that properly. That it's not because he needs us, it's because he wants us. He loves us, right? Now, I think uh, one of the other aspects uh, that I think is a little bit harder with fatherhood, but I think we really need to understand, especially uh, when I think we experience it so often, we experience, you know, okay, we can say that God loves us and that he cares for us and he sacrifices for us and takes care of us, but yet we don't always experience it, right? (laughs) We sometimes look around and we're like, well... If God loved us, then this virus wouldn't come, right? If God loved us, then I wouldn't have these problems. And uh, we also do the same exact thing to our earthly father as well, right? (laughs) Like, there are many different ways where we can argue or say, well, if my dad loved me, then he would have done this, you know? He wouldn't ground me if he loved me, right? Well, no. There's an aspect of love in discipline that a father in trying to love his children, actually disciplines and teaches his children. And we see this uh, within Scripture in the, in the book of Hebrews, which we don't have the reading here today, uh, but I find uh, very beautiful, is it, it kind of explains that aspect. It says that a father uh, only disciplines a son that he loves. If he doesn't love his son, he's not going to take the time to discipline He's not going to care. He's going to just say like, well, do whatever. I don't care. But a father who loves his son disciplines his son, which is the opposite of what we experience, right? (laughs) When we're children and our parents have to discipline us, we're like, oh man, they don't love me. No, they, they actually do love you. It's hard for them to discipline. And hopefully it's done not in a retro, like a revenge type way, like, oh, you've got to pay for this, but instead in a way of wanting to teach, right? A restorative, type of, uh, a restorative type of discipline. And the same exact thing happens with us and our Heavenly Father. Uh, the one example that I was kind of thinking about as it was raining is a father who tells his children multiple times, right? So they have a cardboard fort, right? They built it out in the yard and they were having so much fun. And the father wants them to continue to have that fun. And he tells them, hey, you should bring the cardboard fort inside. And maybe even does it a few times for them. But at a certain point, he's got to say, well, you know, I've told you a whole bunch of times to bring the cardboard forward or else it might be rained on. And then it gets rained on and the kids are like, well, why didn't you, don't you care for us? Like, why didn't you help us? It's 
like, well, I, I tried. And, and actually, the best way to help you is to allow you to fail. And our Heavenly Father, as well, similarly, doesn't want us to fail, right? It's not that He's seeking us out to fail or to suffer, but He realizes in His perfection, in His perfect knowledge, that sometimes failure and suffering is the only way that we'll actually learn and become who He knows that we can become. Now, one of the examples that we have within the Scripture today is the first reading from Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a prophet to the Israelite people, and he's giving the prophecy of discipline. He's saying, hey, you guys, you haven't been worshiping God, and so God is going to discipline you. You're going to be wiped off the face of the map. You're going to be conquered. And you need to accept your discipline well, or else it's going to go even worse for you, right? Has that ever happened, right, to kids where they're like, you know, you've got to, you know, be in time out and then they don't do what they're supposed to do and then it gets worse for them, right? The same exact way with Jeremiah. He has to give as a prophet that message and everybody hates him for it, right? Oh, if you were really a prophet of God, you would be telling us about how awesome we are. Well, no. A prophet of God has to give the true love and the full, full prophecy of God. And sometimes that requires discipline. Now, hopefully, uh, our, really, our experience of discipline probably isn't very good as a child, right? Probably most of us have uh, experiences or memories of being really afraid of our father, right? <laughs> oh, you screwed up and you're like, oh no, I just want to hide forever, right? I don't want to, I don't want to get the discipline. I don't want to, you know, wait until your father comes home, right? And we're like, our fear there is a, a, a great fear. Now, our fear with our heavenly father should not be the same. Well, our fear of our earthly father also shouldn't be that way either. But uh, our heavenly father, we should have a fear a proper fear of our Heavenly Father. In fact, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is fear of the Lord. But it's not a fear that makes us run away. It's instead a fear of offending, which I hope most of you reached at a certain point in your life. Not a fear that makes you want to run away from your Father, but instead a fear that's like, I don't want to let my Father down, right? I don't want to disappoint. I don't want to offend in any way my earthly father. But also, that's how we should be motivated with our heavenly father. That our fear should be proper in that. In a proper reverence. A proper gratitude for that. Now, we see uh, in the gospel a little bit that Jesus says, fear no one. And properly being, we should not be afraid of anyone, of what they might do to us. Why? Because it says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. And no one can kill the soul except for ourselves, right? We ourselves uh, uh, do that. Uh, but kind of another way as well is that, he, he, uh, he says, rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Well, who is that? It's God the Father, right? Don't be afraid of anyone, but be afraid of God. Properly, right? 
not, again, out of a fear that makes us run away, but out of a fear of not wanting to offend, right? Because God loves us so much that he made us, that he created us, that he sent us his son, that he continues to pour out his grace upon us, that he continues to desire what's good for us, even in the midst of discipline, even in the midst of suffering. He wants us to be with him, and he knows that perfect way in which to bring that about. And I hope that we are able to, on this day, give a proper respect, respect and gratitude for our fathers. Because it's such an important thing that we need in this world today, when families are ripped apart in so many different ways, that fathers are absent in so many families, right? We need fatherhood more than ever. Um, and so I want to support this day as much as possible. Happy Father's Day. It's so important for us to recognize that role. Um, But we want to do it also as a launching point for our spiritual life as well. To be able to recognize that great good of our earthly father, which does launch us and properly help us in our relationship with our heavenly father. To realize the love of our earthly and heavenly father. To realize the sacrifice of love in our earthly and heavenly Father. To recognize the love of even discipline in our earthly and our heavenly Father. And our response out of recognizing those things should be a holy fear, a holy reverence, and a great gratitude. Which is why we come here today in gratitude to celebrate the Eucharist, to be with our Lord, and to continue to give him thanks for all his many blessings.